Private Banking Today from Standard Chartered. Hello and welcome to Private Banking Today, a new podcast series from Standard Chartered about the latest wealth management trends. I'm your host, Chloe Tilly, and each episode will be joined by expert guests for their specialist insight into our theme. This episode, we're looking at the key considerations when it comes to UK residency planning. Joining me is Rajiv Gaglani, who is from the Wealth Advisory Team at Standard Chartered Private Bank. Hello, Rajiv. Thanks for being with us. Hi, Chloe. And Tom Burrows, who is Group Editor at Clearview Financial Media, whose publications include Wealth Briefing, Family Wealth Report and Wealth Briefing Asia. Hi, Tom. Hello. It's great to be here. Well, thank you both for being with us. OK, let's start with the absolute basics. Rajiv, I wonder if you can give us a definition of what a UK resident non-DOM is. UK resident non-domiciled is a tax status in the UK. It applies to individuals who are UK tax resident, but not domiciled in the UK. So let me break these two concepts down. Um, Tax residency is fairly binary. It's um, driven by the number of days an individual spends in the UK in a given tax year. Uh, UK tax year runs from 6th of April to 5th of April. Typically for our clients, if they spend upwards of 90 days, 120 days, 183 days, they could be UK tax resident. Basically, the more ties they have to the UK, the less number of days they need to spend in the UK to be tax resident. Domicile is slightly more of a grey area. Uh, It's a legal concept. Essentially, it's linked to what an individual views as their permanent home, their place of belonging, or or the country they have the most ties to. So let me give you an example of a resident dom. So you've got an individual, let's say, for example, they were born and raised in South Africa. They've lived there their whole life. Um, They studied there, they went to start a business there, they have a family there, but for whatever reason, they decide to relocate to the UK. That individual will become UK tax resident because they're spending time here, but their domicile will most likely still remain South Africa. It's a great example of a resident dom. And and I guess, why is this tax status relevant? Because the UK has an attractive regime for individuals who move to the UK with this status. It's there in place to kind of help the UK attract a flow of wealth, talent and capital to the UK. So that's why it all exists. And so, Tom, the UK has a reputation for being one of the centres for wealth globally. What's the main appeal of the UK to wealthy individuals, families, entrepreneurs? I would say that the main attraction is that the UK is a relatively stable, legally, politically and social place. It's a relatively international place. We tend to forget this uh, in the UK, but in terms of how we're seen from outside, but obviously London is a very international city. It's very well used to hosting and, and providing a home for people from around the world. So there's a lot of familiarity, as it were, with that. So the UK ticks a lot of boxes in terms of its broad economic dynamism, things like education, uh, very important for those with children or those of school age. There's lots to see and do. It's not exactly a dull country. <laughs> uh, so I think that in broadest terms, it ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, uh, without getting into the sort of tax issues, I think it, broadly speaking, is seen as a welcoming place and has had a track record of that. And that tends to resonate. Um, can I just add one thing there, Tom? So you've mentioned political stability and stability overall on the world scale. Um, so Standard Chartered, who we are, we mostly look after clients originating from Africa, Asia and the Middle East. And I think the political stability one's a very funny one because we, being in the UK right now, we might think we're going through a pretty unstable time, but still on the global scale, we're viewed as a politically stable place. And I'll tell you one very funny story. Um, so obviously our politicians were drinking wine and eating cheese when they shouldn't have um, in Downing Street. Um, and I remember the very next day having a client meeting with a client originating from Africa. And he said to me, you Brits make me laugh. And I, and I, and I asked him, why is that? And he said, 
your front page news is politicians eating cheese and drinking wine, you should see what our politicians get up to. So the point here is, obviously, yes, UK might be going through elements of turbulence, um, but relatively speaking, I think we're still a pretty stable place when you factor in domestic and geopolitical unrest around the world. So if you're looking to establish a footprint in the UK, let's have a look at some of the main planning points that you will need to consider. Rajiv, what would you say comes high up on your list? So my background is obviously structuring, but before I go into a structuring side, I'm going to mention one really important point, which is uh, an, an individual's immigration route into the UK. So up until early 2022, the UK had a very attractive route in for wealth, which was something called a tier one investor visa. That no longer exists. However, there still are routes into the UK uh, for entrepreneurs via the innovator visa, startup visa, but also route in for workers via global talent visa, skilled worker visa. I guess the key point I want to say on this topic is it's very important our clients and individuals looking to relocate to the UK do seek um, specific advice, in particular from specialists in this space, so lawyers with, with an immigration background. And onto the more exciting stuff, I guess, from a structuring side, um, I'm going to mention three things. One, which is the date an individual becomes tax resident. Effectively in the UK, the way you are tax changes overnight from the date you become UK tax resident. So therefore, it's very important to put in place specific planning, which is usually easier before you come to the UK than afterwards. It's not a disaster if you do it afterwards, but it's always better to put in place before. And something I probably want to raise as well, which people listening might not realise, is if you move to the UK, let's say midway through a tax year. So for example, if you move to the UK in November, December time, you still might become resident from the 6th of April before. So just something to consider before clients do move to the UK. A couple of other points. So Clients sometimes move to the UK without thinking about what they might need in the UK. So in other words, what's your capital requirements? So what's your day-to-day expenditure? Are you looking to buy a property? Are you looking to buy any specific assets, start a business, etc.? That's very important to consider before you move to the UK so you can bring in capital efficiently. And I guess lastly, I'd want to say is look at what you hold both in the UK and globally. So when I say what you hold, I mean things like investments. Um, how are your investment portfolio structured? And most importantly, how would it be considered from a UK lens? But I also want to chuck in one more thing, which is the bigger picture. So if you're holding companies, trusts, etc. as well, how will this be regarded when you move to the UK? Is it appropriate for your kind of purposes? Um, so again, these things could take time. So the key message is really plan in advance. Restructuring can take some time. So give yourself a lead time of minimum 12 months. Is, is, is really? what I, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you look at... Structures, for example, it's not the most simplest thing to potentially resettle structures. Um, if you look at business interests, for example, you might want to look at how are you going to set up and establish a business in the UK. It's not the kind of thing you click click your fingers and do overnight. Um, and the second most important thing, I guess, is, yeah, just having the right team of specialists around you to help you negate one of the most complex jurisdictions in the world. Tom, um, I wonder how UK resident non-DOM, the whole regime, fares globally. In terms of how it stacks up against other countries and jurisdictions, I would say that on the basis of what we know at the moment, it stacks up pretty well because the the so-called remittance basis, for example, the, the ability to be able to retain the status without having to pay on your worldwide income, uh, as long as you don't bring it into the UK, is a process that uh, lasts for up to 15 years. Now, that's a pretty generous, or by relatively speaking, generous window. Um, the, the cost of doing this, is, I, I forget the exact financial amount, but in order to enjoy this status for a period of time is not that high. Now, I haven't delved too much into the weeds, but if you look at, say, certain countries like Italy, which has something akin to a, a UK non-DOM system, and other countries such as Portugal, which has a sort of a high net worth aimed tier a visa system, and certain other countries, I think it looks pretty good. People may say, well, what about political change? Well, to my response to that, well, these changes can occur in any of these other countries too. So 
I would argue that it stacks up relatively well. And I think there's also quite a good debate now that's going on in the UK, which is a lot more mature than I thought it was going to be, that we do need to be open, continue to be open to attracting international capital and talent. So I would argue that whatever happens, I think that the UK system is still a relatively open and welcoming one. And of course, for the reasons just stated about all the other types of uh, ways that people can come into the UK and, and participate, whether they're entrepreneurs, or innovators, funding startups, I think that there's still a lot of tools in the box that make the UK an attractive place. Well, let's talk about the year ahead, because 2024 is the year of elections globally. I mean, you've got the US, you've got India, of course, the UK. What impact could the UK general election and, of course, a possible change of government have on UK resident non-DOMs? I want to get both of your thoughts on this. Maybe, Rajiv, you can start. Sure. Um I guess the current state of play we have right now is practitioners are basing their judgment on two things. Um, one, the polls, and two, high-level remarks made by politicians at this stage. So the polls, I guess the most likely outcomes could be one of three results, which could be a Labour majority, a Tory majority, or a hung parliament of sorts. Um, so that's still up in the air. And obviously, as we know, in the UK, polls don't necessarily equate to what will happen in, in real life. And the second point is... I guess the high-level statements from each parties. The Tories haven't said too much in this space, so I suspect they won't be rocking the boat. We do know Labour are likely to reform or, or potentially rebrand what is already in place, but I guess we don't know the details at this stage. So I guess the two things I want to say is obviously the devil is in the detail. Um, it will depend what legislation legislation dictates, etc. So there's still a lot, lot more to come in this space. And two, as Tom very eloquently put it both parties will still want to attract capital to come to the UK. So I think whichever way the election goes, um, I think the UK will still remain competitive. Tom? I would imagine, based on opinion polls, assuming you, you treat them as, as a, having some level of credibility, that we are going to get a change of government, albeit not necessarily with, with an outright large majority. Of course, even the size of the majority will dictate as to the direction of travel. Uh, from what I, my reading and my understanding is that if we were to get a change of government, I still think that there would be an awareness that simply getting rid of the non-DOM system without working out some kind of way to have a residency scheme for people from abroad to enjoy some level of status in the UK for a period of time uh, is still going to be something that there will be, be considered. I don't think any future government will say, we'll get rid of non-DOMs and that's it, because I think that would put us in a quite a serious competitive disadvantage with many important financial capitals. And of course... Outside of the European Union, the UK does need, regardless of who is in power, need to continue to present its face to the world as a welcoming place. Um, and I think that f whatever the specific wrinkles that there are with the non-DOM system, a system that goes back over 200 years, is that I don't think any serious sort of government is simply just going to eliminate the system without looking at what the credible alternatives are. Uh, finally, Rajiv, what are you telling your internationally mobile clients who are potentially weighing up a move to the UK? So what we're telling our clients is, look, for the reasons we've set out in this episode, the UK still remains a major player in attracting global wealth. What I would say on the elections and speculation side, what we are saying to clients is do think carefully, but don't act in haste, especially based on speculation. There's been plenty of speculation over the past 10, 15 years where certain things were speculated that didn't actually happen in, in budgets, for example. So again, almost plan for it, but don't necessarily react just off the speculation alone. We also think, you know, tax should never be the driver for decision making. Look at the bigger picture. What's what's your reason for coming to the UK? What's the sole driver to get you to the UK? And then the planning and structuring can take place around that. And I guess, again, a, a point I made earlier, but I really want to emphasise is having the right team of specialists around you. 
if you play your cards right, the UK is a very attractive destination to come and reside in. But also with such a complex tax and legal jurisdiction, if you don't have the right advisors around you or don't have the right people guiding you uh, through your move to the UK, um, there are obviously very many pitfalls where um, it could be quite an ugly stay in the UK. So it's, it's very much those things. Well, thank you so much. Uh, That's it for this episode. I really appreciate both of your time for a really interesting, really helpful conversation. So, Rajiv, thank you so much. Thank you. And Tom, thank you as well. Thank you. Well, do join us again soon when we will continue to look at the latest wealth management strategies. Our next episode, we're actually going to be focusing on investing in prime UK real estate. Also remember, you can subscribe to this series so you won't miss an episode. From me, Chloe Tilly, from Rajiv Gaglani and from Tom Burrows, thank you for listening and goodbye. Private Banking Today. Back soon.